of little faith. Jesus says, looking at Peter as he grabs him by the hand, pulling him from the water like a lightning bolt to Peter's soul. Peter, who has given up so much, who has followed Jesus so closely, who has been so passionate and persevering in his faith, is now held by the hand of his Savior, and he looks into his eyes, and Jesus says, O ye of little faith. And my question as I dwelled on this text was, where, where did Peter go wrong? Now, of course, I know the traditional interpretation, which is that Peter stepped out of the boat in confidence and looked at Jesus and then was distracted by the storm and the crashing waves and the thunderbolts all around him. And when he lost focus on Christ was when he began to sink like a rock. And so the traditional interpretation has always been to lean on my shoulder a little bit, putting all that pressure on me and saying, keep your eyes on Jesus, you sinner, or you're going to sink just as hard. But the thing that I kept coming back to was that Peter does a lot in this passage, and I kept wondering, what if The faithful act. What if Peter, faith-filled, not full of doubt, but full of faith, what if his project wasn't to walk all the way across the water and reach Jesus on an equal level with the Son of God, able to walk among the waves in a miraculous moment? What if the actual act of faith was to stay in the boat? Because Jesus is on his way. Peter barely gets out of the boat before he starts to sink, and then Jesus is right on top of him. They've been fighting this storm all night, the disciples, and finally Jesus is on his way towards them, and they know, because we've done this story a few chapters ago, that Jesus is capable of stilling a storm. You remember that story? It's almost like this one, but in this one, Jesus is in the boat with them asleep. And the storm crashes around them and they wake him and they say, are you not concerned that we are perishing? And he says, oh, ye of little faith and stills the storm. So even though the disciples and Peter can see Jesus on the way to them, walking on the waves, working one miracle, probably preceding another, which would be to reach them and calm the storm. Peter is just a little anxious for it to happen on his own timeline. (laughs) And to get Jesus to that boat or get himself to Jesus just a little bit faster. If it is Jesus. Because Peter gets out of the boat with not a confession of faith, but a statement of doubt. If it is you, command me to come to you. It's not enough that he's walking on the water. I mean, anybody in Galilee can do that. We need to really make sure that this is the Messiah, the Son of God. If it really is you, not only walk to me on the water after you've commanded us to be here in the middle of the night, so how he even found the boat. If it really is you, command me to come to you. I wonder, too, if the faithful act would be for Peter to stay in the boat, not only because by getting out he's kind of taking control of what should really be a story about Jesus, but because Peter, of all the disciples in the boat, is the one best equipped to handle a storm. He is a career fisherman. 
He has the physical strength born of years of work on a boat. He has the career experience. He has family wisdom passed down by his father and grandfather and probably many great-grandfathers before him about how to handle a boat. And he gets out and leaves these other scrappy disciples that Jesus has picked up along the way, tax collectors and whatever else, to try to figure out how to, I don't know, swing a boom, something with tack. I don't know how to sail a boat. I would like Peter to stay in the boat with me. (laughs) I need a fisherman's help. But he gets out, leaving the others to struggle. And I want to say to him, Peter, my brother, with all your experience and your knowledge and your strength, my fellow stubborn stone, stay in the boat. Because when you start abandoning others, you will sink like a rock. When you start taking into your own hands your salvation and when Jesus is going to reach you and when the miracle is finally going to happen, when you start thinking that that is your own work, my brother, you are going to find yourself drowning. But there's a problem with this interpretation. (laughs) Well, Chad hasn't seen it yet. The problem with this interpretation of asking Peter to stay in the boat is that stories and parables like these have been used to force those who are in pain to stay in cycles of abuse. This idea of stay in the boat, ride out the storm, this is your cross to bear. How often has the Christian church in power and privilege wielded those words to tell people who were on the bottom rungs of the faith ladder, stay in positions of pain, Stay in your broken family, your broken marriage, your broken church community, your broken country. Stay in that brokenness because it is your sin to bear, we have decided. Maybe it was a good idea for Peter to get out of the boat. Maybe the career fishermen had been yelling at them all night saying, do it this way, do it that way, and they were all ignoring him for whatever reason, probably because he's about as stubborn as me and they were all tired of him yammering on. Maybe it was good for him to get out of the boat and finally be able to move forward in a way the others couldn't. So my question, Chad, since you loved it so much, is how do we know the difference? How do we know when Jesus' call for Peter or for others or for us is to stay in the boat and keep fighting? Or get out of the boat and free ourselves from the storm. I think there's some key dynamics happening in this story that don't always happen in every storm story. First, that Peter is working with a team. Peter is working alongside the disciples trying to fight the storm, struggling together. And we know that in systems and cycles of abuse, One of the greatest priorities is isolation and hiding. That the more you can separate people who are abused from each other or from people who love them, the greater power you have over them. 
Second, we know that in this story, progress is happening. An end is in sight. Jesus is walking towards them within just a few arms reaches since he's able to catch Peter. And we know that in cycles of abuse, where family and friends and loved ones, for example, have to fight with a beloved's addiction, that we don't see progress except in the sense of saying, everything's fine, everything's fine, and the notch for fine keeps going higher and higher, and what we're willing to tolerate or enable or cover up keeps going greater and greater. In this story, we also see disciples. Disciples who we know from other stories have the ability to leave. That Jesus will even turn brokenhearted to some of his disciples at one point after others have left, and he will say, do you want to go away too? Not that that was a joyous option for us to consider, but that they had the option. Because we know that in cycles of abuse and neglect, the idea that there is nowhere else to go dominates a person's mind. And finally, in this story, there is one common and named storm. The disciples are trying to fight it. Jesus is coming, hopefully, to calm it. But in cycles of abuse, the call is coming from inside the house. The boat is the storm. So when we face these questions in our lives, when we are in our own boat facing our own storms, looking around wildly in the flashes of lightning, hoping that the Son of God is walking toward us, do we have a team working with us? that can join us in that struggle, that we can put our strength and power and experience to? Or is whoever we're serving, claiming to help or to be loved by, making us more and more alone? When we are struggling against that storm, trying to press on and find a safe space for ourselves and our loved ones, is there progress? Are we moving Or are we only moving because we're telling ourselves we have to believe that we are? Are we free to give up on the struggle to find a way out of it as the disciples could have? Or are we certain there's nowhere else to go? And finally, is everyone fighting with us? Do we know what we're fighting against? Or does everyone have a different opinion about who's the wrongdoer? in our situation. Listen, I have no magic coin to flip whether it's heads or tails, stay or go, stay in the boat, or get out and walk. And Jesus is speaking to both. When he sees the disciples, he says to them, take heart, do not be afraid, keep fighting, stay in the boat. And when he says to Peter, when Peter says to him, if it is you, command me to come out of the boat, Jesus says, come. And so there are moments when Jesus says to Peter, to others, maybe even to us, get out and save yourself. The call is coming from inside the boat. We are all in different boats and fighting different storms. 
And whether the call for us is to take heart, to keep fighting, to join in with the team and keep making progress in freedom and in hope, or to get out of the boat and take our strength for ourselves, to protect ourselves and our loved ones, to finally name the storm that has been plaguing us, not all around, but from inside. Whatever way Jesus is speaking to us, we can always be sure of one thing. That Jesus is walking across that stormy sea, taking, pa- taking patient and diligent joyful and compassionate steps toward us. None of this work relies on us alone, but rather on a Savior who is making a way out of no way, who is working his human-footed way in impossible and miraculous steps through crashing waves, stormy seas, flashes of lightning. Wherever you may be, whatever storm your boat is fighting, whoever is on your team, or whether you have one foot out of the boat already, know that Jesus is on his way toward you with both hands out, ready to save. Amen. Amen.